Welcome to episode one, the debut of the Stretch Run podcast. My name is Kevin Nelson. Um, I'm actually uh, doing this podcast right outside Kansas City, um, Missouri slash Kansas, bringing this podcast out uh, to basically talk a little sports, talk a little fatherhood, talk some sobriety, um, how I embrace, you know, the challenge to finish each day strong and sound. Hence, down the stretch. Um, I think we can, at least for myself, I kind of correlate a stretch run. Um, whether it's, you know, yeah, you can go to horse racing. You know, horses turn for the stretch. They get that stretch run, that final kick to try to get to the finish line first. Um, but a lot of times it could be just as important that you may not finish the race first, um, but you know, that there was accomplishment in all that. So, um, I guess kind of without further ado, I'm just going to kind of jump right into it. Um, <clears throat> again, my name is Kevin. Uh, I am a, what I would, uh, self describe myself as a pretty avid sports fan. Um, primarily, uh, baseball, football with an obsession and horse racing, um, and, you know, strong passions for the other two sports. Follow basketball, follow a little bit of hockey, but definitely the primary three are, um, you know, would probably in order would be horse racing, baseball, and then football, uh, pro college. So, and I know we just, uh, we just wrapped up because today is Monday, February 12th. Um, pretty big day for Kansas City. Let yesterday and this morning as the celebration has continued with the Kansas City Chiefs being the Super Bowl champions, uh, which, was a, which was a pretty epic game. Um, over time, of course, as we all know, um, Patrick Mahomes winning the MVP, his uh, third Super Bowl ring as quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs, Andy Reid, uh, third Super Bowl win. They've had five appearances. You know, the, uh, the talk is, uh, or the writing, right, and uh, the read, is this, is this a dynasty now? And I think it's fair to say it is a dynasty. Um, we, uh, myself and my family, we have just moved into the Kansas City area. So we came in here in October. Um, and, you know, at that time, the Chiefs weren't even playing that well by Chiefs standards. Um, I'm a diehard New York Giant fan. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even actually categorize myself as diehard, but I'm, I, I root for the Giants hard. Um, and of course they're, uh, they have not been a very successful organization for the past decade. Um, but we, so when I say that the chiefs weren't, didn't have, weren't as successful, you know, things weren't really, um, lining up for them in, I guess the first half of the year, but they made some adjustments, um, as all great organizations do when you have a great quarterback, you obviously can do that. Uh, it makes it a little bit easier. And, uh, they have. They obviously went on and um, you know went on the road in the playoffs. Won won twice. You know on the road in the playoffs in hostile environments, especially up in Buffalo. Um, and then yeah, took on the Niners and, and won the game. And in overtime fashion, dramatic fashion, which is what you expect from a from an all time great you know quarterback, which is what Patrick Mahomes is starting to basically write that script. Um, I was actually fortunate enough to live in Boston uh, in the early 2000s. I was in my 20s, and I got to wit—I was able to witness the Patriots dynasty forming. 
firsthand uh, living in the city. You know, those, the, their first two Super Bowls, the first one when they beat the greatest show on turf um, with the Rams. Now, Brady, Tom Brady took over for Drew Bledsoe that year, and it wasn't under the fanfare of, you know, Patrick Mahomes, a first-round pick. Um, Brady, you know, that was more of a game manager, game manager type of quarterback situation. The defense was really what, you know, propelled the Patriots back then. But Brady, of course... You know, as we all know, his career uh, took quite a uh, trajectory and, um, you know, seven Super Bowl wins uh, for Tom Brady. So, you know, Patrick Mahomes is not in that category right now, not even close to in that category right now. Um, but he is the best player in the NFL today. Um, is he in the Brady goat conversation? He's going to he's he's got some time to do that. He's not in the Jordan goat conversation um, it's just, that's just not fair to Patrick Mahomes yet. He's only 28 years old and, but you know, he's, uh, he is definitely one of the best in the game now. Um, seeing this in this, this city and what, what is, uh, transpiring in this city. I, again, I mentioned that I was up in Boston and in my twenties, and yeah, the, the Patriot fans like that city definitely was embraced the Patriots, the Red Sox, the Celtics. Um, you know, I, I would, I guess, I would categorize it in a pretty obnoxious way. Um, you know, I'm I'm from New York originally, so you know, in New York, you have the Mets and the Yanks, you have the Giants and the Jets, um, you know, the Knicks, the Nets, the Islanders, and the Rangers. So there's not one team that the city will rally around. And even if one team is doing well, you're going to have the other half of the city that's rooting against that team. That's just the way it is. Uh, the joke, right, growing growing up, and probably still the joke today back there is, you know, I root for two teams. For me, I root for the Mets and whoever plays the Yankees. That doesn't hold as true today as it did when I was younger, when I was just a belligerent Met fan. Um, but, you know, when you, when you have a big city like that with so many sports teams, you don't find as much camaraderie around the whole city, you know, that engulfs the city. And I bring that up because in Boston, it did engulf Boston. And, you know, it did engulf, I'm sure, the state of Massachusetts and the other New England states too, Rhode Island, Connecticut, uh, up into Maine. You know, they all rooted for the Patriots. But again, I still say, you know, this this is my opinion. Um, They were always obnoxious. I have friends of mine that are still up there and they'll probably admit as much of how obnoxious of fans they are. Um, And you're going to get that in every city. It's just the one thing I've noticed here in Kansas City. And again, a very short sample size. I've only been here four months. Um, but really, the whole city, uh, the whole outskirts, the suburbs, they really just embrace the Chiefs and in not such a hostile and obnoxious way. Um, it's more like a hometown college feel to it with the, with the Chiefs that I've, that I've noticed as an outsider, which has been refreshing, uh, to say the least. We... Um, we've, my, my wife and I have had a chance to, you know, talk to other families and, you know, spend time with other families here. And they, they just, they, they love their chiefs. And, you know, with them winning the Super Bowl yesterday, you know, there, there's a parade on Wednesday, the schools closed down here on Wednesday. It's, it's a big deal. Um, I don't ever recall that happening in New York or, or, or even up in Boston, again, much bigger cities. Um, but it's, that's, that's just the, the level where it happens here. Um, you know, I, we lived out in California and Los Angeles, and again, it, 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 it's more to the tune of two teams in a city, right? The, you, you got the Chargers and the Rams, you got the Dodgers and the Angels, um, you got the Lakers and the Clippers, so it's not dominated by one team. 
Um, even in my, you know, we were down in South Florida for a few years and Miami, you know, yeah, you have the heat and you have the dolphins and you even have the Marlins, but there's not a hometown, you know, you know, diehard love for those teams. I feel like because there's so many transients down there, you have your snowbirds who are from New York or New Jersey or the Midwest and they root for their hometown teams. And, you know, then you have people that move down there that are from all over the country, and not just the country, but from all over the world in Miami, especially now, where you're not going to have that that real camaraderie for for the Dolphins um, as much as you would say for the Chiefs here in Kansas City. So, again, just kind of speaking to the point of it's really cool to see a community rally around one team. It's it's again, I use the word refreshing. It's been great to see. So, being here in a new city. Um, you know, it's nice that the sports, you know, the, the, the football scene with the Chiefs has really kind of, um, kind of helped us, uh, integrate even more into the city. Even though we're not Chiefs fans, we, we, we have become, uh, we're, we're adopting the Chiefs as our team right now, um, as our local team, cause it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, so as of course you can imagine this, this city is fired up, I guess, as I mentioned, the, the parades on Wednesday, that's going to be a lot of fun to follow, not going to the parade. Uh, not gonna, <laughs> not going to be uh, subjecting. Uh, I have a six-year-old son and a four-year-old daughter. I think they're a little too young. Um, but I'm 47 years old now. The days of me going to parades and drinking beers and getting crazy are far, far from gone. Far, far, yeah. Just in the rearview mirror, drinking days completely gone as well. Um, I have over 10 years of sobriety. So <laughs> when the Patriots won that Super Bowl. Uh, 2002, I believe it was. Um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I was drinking a lot of beers, booze. It was a lot of fun with the buddies back in your 20s. But I, I'm not going to be subjecting myself <laughs> to... Uh, and, and hey, God bless whoever wants to go down there and get crazy and root your team on. You know, drink beers and have fun. Just for this guy, I, I'm not going to do that. But we, I will be watching it from afar. Um, and for me, you know... The, the idea that the Super Bowl has been played and it's over with, I get even more excited because it's my favorite time of the year now. Um, we are turning the page on the football season and going straight into the baseball season. Uh, spring training is a, going to be upon us. Actually, the Dodgers and the Padres have already begun their spring training regimens as they will be uh, playing uh, overseas uh, to start the season. Um the Dodgers and Padres will be taking each other on in the in the beginning. I think the middle of March, so they had to start their spring training early, which is great. So the boys of summer are already back in those camps, and uh, the other camps will be opening up pretty soon. Um, so I'm very excited about that. the uh, The local team here, the Kansas City Royals, um, they have uh, they have actually me as a Met fan. They have kind of uh, popped my balloon before. In 2015, when they beat the Mets in the World Series, I was living in New York at the time and thought for no I really didn't think the, uh, the Royals had a chance to beat the Mets that year. Even though the year before, the Royals went to the World Series and got beat by the San Francisco Giants. Um, and then they came back with a feisty, competitive team that next year and, again, went to the World Series against my Mets. And they beat the Mets. And they beat them handily, uh, you know, with a good, young, athletic team. Um, it... Again, it kind of comes back to that small town thing feel of it's interesting, you know, this this city uh, in Kansas City and this whole outskirts, whether you're on the Missouri side or on the Kansas side, you know, you're you're within, you know, 20 miles of each other if you're, you know, living in the vicinity of the of the stadiums. Um, 
the, the success that this small town, this small city has had, even in the past decade, um, not just with the Chiefs, but the Royals having been to the World Series twice in the past 10 years, winning once. You know, you got K- KU basketball, two national championships. So, you know, when you, when you think about it and you think about the big markets, I mean, yeah, Boston has had a run. But I'm a New York guy. You know, you know root, all my teams that I will quote-unquote root for are from New York. You know, I, again, I'm going to adopt teams that, that I live in the city of. Uh, for the most part, I'm you know, going to go support them. But the Royals, the way a small market like this, and you think about it, Compared to New York, the big behemoth of New York, the quote unquote big, big sports area with the Mets and the Yanks, you know, the Mets are the only team. And I'm not saying this is a Mets fan. I'm not proud of this, but the Mets, you know, are the only baseball team that has been to the World Series in the past 10 years out of New York. Um, Giants and Jets, you know, the Giants, yeah, the Giants took down the Pats twice, which was great, but that's a distant memory. That organization is a joke. The Jets, yeah, I don't, you know, I, I, how long has it been? 30 years. The Jets, the Jets are the Mets of football. They're, they're just a disaster. Um, and the Knicks and the Nets, same thing. You know, so when you talk about KC, about, you know, hey, small market, but they've had a lot more success of recent than, you know, than, than your bigger markets. Yeah, the Yankees go to the playoffs every year, but they can never close the deal. And with the amount of, you know, revenue that comes into the Mets and the Yankees, they should be, they should be a lot a lot more competitive. Well, they are competitive. The Yankees aren't going every year to the playoffs, but they can never seem to close the deal. Um, so it speaks volumes that you know a team like the Royals are have had. You know, essentially, you know, when you when you talk about the goal of winning the whole thing, they've won a World Series more recently than the Yankees, um, and certainly they they beat the Mets when they won that World Series. So it's certainly more recently than the Mets. Um, so, yes, yeah, spring training is upon us. It's exciting. Um, you know, there's a lot of storylines with that. The, the, I was actually able to take my son over to meet the Royals um, during about two weeks ago to Kauffman Stadium, um, a player meet and greet. Uh, we, I did purchase season tickets for the Royals, so I brought Leo over, and, um, you know, we've been blessed to – to be able to do that with the Marlins. So now the Royals are our new squad and got to meet Bobby Witt and MJ Melendez and, you know, a bunch of guys, Michael Waka, And it was, uh, it was sensational. Um, guys were great. And it was ironically two days before the announcement of Bobby Witt signing the big contract, the $288 million deal, which in my mind is brilliant by the Kansas City Royals. It's kind of a trend that has begun in baseball, locking up these young players, um, locking up their arbitration years, number one, but number two, um, you know, ensuring that they can't hit free agency even right after arbitration. So in Bobby Witt's case, yeah, it's um, a 12-year deal, I believe, um, $288 million. There's some opt-outs after year eight, but they're going to have Bobby Witt here in Kansas City as a cornerstone of the franchise for, at minimum, the next eight years, which is great for Kansas City, but not only great for Kansas City, it's great for Major League Baseball. Um, you know, too often there was, you know, young guys that were becoming free agents going to the bigger markets, and that's where these small market teams would lose out. So it just, it's going to put more, even more emphasis on player development, um, even with the big market teams. So, you know, being living here in Kansas City, I'm selfishly, 
uh, very happy that they locked him up. Because he, in my opinion, again, my opinion is no expert opinion, a fan's opinion. I follow baseball, but he is he's definitely the more, one of the most exciting players in Major League Baseball, but also may become one of the best players in Major League Baseball um, for a while to come. So, And we get to witness him here in Kansas City. So very excited about that. But again, kind of just goes to my point I was trying to make is that it's a new trend in baseball um, where, you know, the actually the, the Atlanta Braves kind of started it when they locked up Ronald Acuna at 21 years old. Um, and, you know, they gave him about close to $100 million um, for over eight years. At the time, people thought that was crazy. And he's actually probably grossly underpaid by major league standards, payroll standards now. So that was a steal, but it was brilliant. And they also locked up Ozzy Albies, who got a six-year, $35 million deal, which is, again, highway robbery when, when you put his output compared to what he's, uh, his salary compared to other players at his position right now. Um, he's grossly, quote-unquote, underpaid. I know $35 million is, you know, by, again, by the average person, this is a financial windfall, um, but by again, this it's a whole other universe with the billionaire owners and these million dollar players. He is grossly underpaid um, by major league standards. Um, and then you know you look at you know you're taking a risk you know by signing a young guy with you know maybe hasn't done hasn't showed the output yet. And you can look at Tampa Bay with Wander Franco on the field. He was worth every penny, but now he's you know in a domestic issue in the Dominican Republic. So you're dealing with young men that are 21, 22 years old who, you know, maybe are not that mature and, you know, don't really uh, have a grasp on the, on the kind of money that's going to come in, you know, and they, they may make mistakes. And Wander Franco, it has, looks like, made a mistake. You know, he's innocent until proven guilty. Um, but those are the risks you take, but there could be a big reward too. So uh, either way, very happy that Bobby Witt is going to be here in Kansas City for the Worlds. Whether we stay in Kansas City or not, whether the duration of his contract, I'm just happy that these smaller market clubs are locking these guys up. You even look at like a team like the Milwaukee Brewers. They locked up uh, Kid Churios, who hasn't even played a day in the major leagues. Um, and they gave him, I believe, upwards of $100 million. But Corbin Carroll, same thing in Arizona, over 100, or, uh, 70 or $80 million he got. Um, by playing a half season in the major leagues. And he's proven that that's going to be a great deal. So it's just good to see that these guys are not going to hit the open market, go to the big market clubs, um, give these small market clubs a little bit um, a more um, of an opportunity to compete um, with their, with, with the players that they uh, essentially develop. Um, and that, uh, you know, so hopefully, you know, they, they reward the fans by keeping them around, which is great. Um, so, and with, you know, with baseball spring training starting, we'll talk more about that um, as we go through these podcasts, obviously, because we're going to start getting into the heart of the spring training and then the baseball season, which I love to talk about. It's also after the Super Bowl, um, right around the time of the Super Bowl, I start getting excited with the horses because it is time for the, basically, it's already kind of begun. The, the, the Derby trail has begun. Um, for the for the for the run for the roses for the 2024 Kentucky Derby, um, the prep races are already well underway. The points to get you know the game points to get into the Derby is underway. Um, the Sam F. Davis Stakes have been run. There's been a few stake races run. I'm not going to go into detail on them, but there's um, you know there's already about 20 top contenders 
I'm not going to run through them yet on this podcast because my focus this week is, uh, as I mentioned, I'm, a, I'm passionate about horse racing. Um, I actually own a few racehorses now, and we actually, uh, the, the partnership that I am involved with, that I'm a partner in, uh, Centennial Farms, we have a colt named Antiquarian who is going to be making his second start at Fairgrounds Racetrack this Saturday. Uh, Maiden Special Weight, which is uh, a race uh, for horses that have never won a race. He's a three-year-old. Um, if he wins this race, which we think he's got a good shot, we may be, uh, as long as everything goes well and he wins and he comes out of the race healthy, um, we may be pointing him to a prep race, which I'm not going to mention yet, but there's a prep race right after that, about five weeks after, that we'll point him to and you never know. This is the point. Like we, we may have a horse on the Derby Trail, which is pretty cool. Again, a lot has to shake out and go well, um, but it is a very exciting time. Um, so that's when we talk about Derby preps and a lot. There's a lot of listen. I'm not the only guy. There's a lot of guys in the partnership that are excited about this, but everybody's got their dreams on their horses too that are currently being spoken about on the Derby Trail. So the development of a racehorse, you know. The, the ups and downs of the game is something I definitely am going to talk about quite a bit on the podcast. Um, and, you know, just as of present time right now, it's, it's a major uptime. It's a, it's, it, I'm on a cloud, pink, pink cloud time with Dan Aquarian. Like I said, he, he hasn't even won a race yet. He ran first time out in Gulfstream a month ago, Gulfstream Park down in Hollywood in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I actually flew down um, to witness the race. And he ran a dynamite second. Um, he actually had to lead mid-stretch in the stretch run. And in that stretch run, it looked like he was going to get to the wire um, first. But got, got, he was run down in the last few steps, got beat a half length um, by actually a really nice uh, three-year-old Colt who is probably number nine on the list right now out of for Derby contenders. I believe his name was Conquest Warrior. Um, Shug McGee, he's the trainer. Um, dynamite, dynamite three-year-old. But we just got beat by him. Um, again, it was our, it was Antiquarian's first ever race. So, you know, he didn't, he was green a little bit, but he ran dynamite, went a mile. So we're bringing him back a mile on the 16th, going two turns at the fairgrounds. And we expect him to run really well. And if he does, if he does that, as I mentioned (laughs) to repeat, you know, there's a chance we get him on the Derby trail, which is all you can ask for as an owner is a chance to dream, um, a chance, you know, an opportunity to get into the really big prep races for the Kentucky Derby with maybe, maybe a chance to get into the big dance. You know, the Derby and the Preakness and the Belmont and the Travers, for three-year-olds, those are the Super Bowls. Um, You know, the most talked about races in the media and across the U.S., you know, by not just, you know, avid race fans, but your casual fans. So, um, yeah, it would be a dream of mine to be in the paddock at Churchill Downs on the first Saturday of May as a horse owner. Uh, it would be really cool. So I will keep abreast of that situation um, on the podcast as well. Um, and, you know, I'm going to also speak quite a bit about just fatherhood and, um, you know, and uh, the daily grind. You know, we have uh, my, it's my wife and I, and I wake so we have, uh, I have a son, Leo, who's six, my daughter, Lily. Uh, she's a four-year-old girl, Philly. Um, they've adjusted incredibly well to the move to Kansas City. Uh, you know, kids are resilient, and uh, we are very fortunate to have two, two fun little ones 
Um, and we also have two furball dogs, kids. I have a nine-year-old golden doodle named Fitzgerald. We call him Fitz. And we have a recently turned one-year-old golden doodle. And his name is Wally. I quite often will call him Sir Wally or Walter just because he is a goofball um, and major love bug just as well as Fitz is. So, you know, the, uh, I think the worry in moving to Kansas City when we come from Florida with the kids was, oh, man, it's going to be cold and they're probably going to get sick a lot up there. You know, kids, the kids have been as healthy as oxes. It's been great. And for the most part, my wife Ariana and I been, have been pretty healthy too. The, the main the main the main issue with with health has been our two dogs. Um, just some accidents have happened along the way. Fitzgerald got into raisins, had to bring him to the ER. Um, Wally, he has a major major attraction to socks, so had to have his uh, stomach pumped more than a few times uh, before we got here in Florida. He would do it too, but here too. So the the dogs and their vet trips have been definitely a highlight uh of the move so far the veterinarians have gotten to know them very well but the dogs are in good health today so that's what matters the most um and uh but they definitely are setting records with the amount of visits i think that they've had to the local veterinarian here in kansas city um so gonna kind of be um you know again a a a conversation that will that i'll have uh whether i'm just talking solo on on the podcast i'm gonna bring some guests into the podcast as we go forward whether it's from uh, the horse racing community, from the Major League Baseball community. Um, I am going to be doing it here from my office, my home office here. I I work in the healthcare industry on the the sales marketing side of things. Um, So maybe bring in some professionals on that. Um, Again, as I just briefly, I maybe kind of just glazed over a little bit when I was talking about uh, parades and Super Bowl parades, how... I'm not going this year. It's not just because I, you know, I just think it's going to be crazy traffic and whatnot. And I'm 47 years old, don't need to deal with it. But also, I'm not a drinker anymore. I've been sober, um, and I've gotten a second chance at life because of my sobriety. Um, not picking up the drink, and you know, just you know, not just about my drinking, but about my thinking. So when I talk about that, you know, naming this podcast "Stretch Run," um, you know, there was a point in my life that. I didn't know if I was going to get, get to that finish line. And, um, and, you know, by putting down the drink and getting my life together uh, 10 years ago and continually having to work at that every day um, has, been, uh, has been a blessing beyond belief. You know, the gratitude that I have, in, you know, in my life for, the, uh, for, for men, for many of the men that have uh, shown me the way of, of how to get sober, stay sober, and help others is, uh, is incredible. So... When I talk about guests, I'm maybe bringing in some some guests on that have uh, been instrumental in my life, but also may have a message that I've never heard before too um, about sobriety, about life. You know, um, you know, maybe some you know some uplifting uh, talk. So that could be something to look forward to that we will look forward to on this podcast as well. Um, and I'm about running out of time. And again, uh, it's uh, it's it's been a great start here in Kansas City. Um, there's going to be a lot to talk about with, again, as I mentioned, even more chief stuff to talk about. Um, I'll cover at the end of the week. I'll probably cover a little bit about the parade and how things are transitioning now. As I guess I mentioned, the Royal spring training is starting. I'm going to certainly talk about other teams throughout major league baseball. Um, some topics about major league baseball. Um, going to talk a little bit, some, uh, 
some more horse racing. And again, the NFL the draft is coming up. I'm going to be talking a little bit about that, some prospects in the draft for different teams. Um, and again, the, uh, the sober aspect and the fatherhood aspect, which is so important. Um, and I'm looking forward to, uh, to continuing this. And I hope you all have a wonderful day. Let's go, Chiefs, and let's go spring training.